Welcome to the Upbeat Podcast, powered by CoachArt, a show that's dedicated to providing resources for families impacted by childhood chronic illness. For articles, videos, and show notes, visit our platform at theupbeat.coachart.org. All right, welcome everybody to the next episode of the Upbeat Podcast, powered by CoachArt, a nonprofit that does free arts and athletics for any child impacted by any chronic illness in L.A., the Bay Area, and now San Diego, and looking to expand to new cities next year. I'm Greg Harledge, CoachArt's executive director and co-host of the Upbeat. And I'm Roxanne Doche. I'm the marketing director for CoachArt, and I'm also a parent of a childhood cancer survivor. And we have got a really special and exciting conversation today. Uh, we aim to bring you on the podcast different perspectives that would be really helpful for parenting a child impacted by chronic illness. And so we've talked to experts. We talked to other parents who have been through it. And more and more at CoachArt, we talked to adults who have survived cancer who can bring sort of an adult perspective and language uh, to describe what they experienced to give more insight into the th kind of thoughts that your child might be having and, and not necessarily be able to put the words to. Uh, our guest today is Callie, uh, Callie Brownstein, uh, the Beverly Hills-based jewelry designer. Uh, around the time that she started her e-commerce jewelry site, she was diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, her experience and her philosophy of giving back led her to create a charitable foundation that partners with and funds organizations, including CoachArt, uh, that help families impacted by cancer. And we are so thrilled to have Callie here today. It is long awaited, and we've been excited to talk to her. Welcome, Callie. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here and talk about whatever will help. Well, off we go. Question one. Um, we heard that you had said that when you were finally diagnosed as having a brain tumor, the word relief was one of the things that came to mind, which is not something for people who haven't had a major diagnosis like that, that they would guess. What was the element of relief? Why is that? So um, there's so many different aspects to why I felt relief. I think the first part of it was I was sick for so long and nobody could figure it out. I had been to doctors all across the country and, you know, I kind of had to face it at a point of like, oh, I guess I'm just not going to feel well, not knowing what exactly it is. But it affected my everyday life, um, being tired, nauseous, throwing up. So at some point, you kind of throw your hands at, you know, in the air because you can't do anything and nobody seems to know what it is. And when I had gone to the ER at Cornell Weill in New York, in a million years, I didn't think anything further than I'll probably be out of here in an hour as soon as they take all the vitals and do everything. So once I went through, I think, the CAT scan and the MRI and everything, it was a few hours in between. And when they came back into the room, they kicked everybody out of the room. And one, I don't know if this is typical or not, they closed the curtains and one of the doctors grabbed my hand and the other kind of stood in front of me. And he said, well, um, we found a brain tumor. And I remember crying for 30 seconds um, and almost a relief of like, am I going to die? You know, you, they, they can't tell you anything when you're sitting there. But my first question was, well, am I going to die? That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Um, I come from a line of very strong 
alphas. So I also know, and yes, I'm a huge baby in general, and I do complain a lot. For some reason, in that moment, it just kind of felt like maybe I put it together that, okay, I'm strong. I'm going to get through this. Maybe it was relief that, okay, now I'm going to feel better. Um, And I had no idea what type of brain cancer or that if it were cancerous. So... And so even that early on in the process, it wasn't like a few days later you started to feel a sense of relief. You remember that that early feeling, some element of relief of just having a diagnosis and knowing what what you know might be ahead. Yeah, which in in looking back, I I think you just go into you know survival mode. I mean, I was thirty years old, so maybe it could have been my age. You were so young, too, that you had your whole life in front of you. What were some of the things going through your mind? So I think a couple different things that sort of went through my head. So I, what the first thing is, is I had dis-ease, the word dis-ease, within my own body. Because I am spiritual. I had been working on a lot of stuff, I think, from 18 years old. Um, and by no means was I well-versed. And a disconnection within us that can make us sick. You know, everything about, I was living in New York City, probably running on fumes, and always as an actual cancer, born July 17th, I'm an empath. So not only do I feel everything that people are going through or around me, I dedicated my whole life to everyone and anyone except for myself. So I think the the cancer formed as dis-ease within me, it actually created itself. And, you know, the biggest thing within me was, am I going to be able to get married and have kids? I have so much more to do. So I've never thought about this until you were just saying, I think you said not very well versed when you were 18 and starting to think about these things. But I, since I've known you, think of you every time I talk to you as such a mindful, thoughtful, spiritual person. So when you say not very well-versed at 18, compared to other 18-year-olds, were you somebody, had that had that flame started to light at all? Were you thinking that way? Or has that all really come since the diagnosis? How, how much of that did you experience beforehand? So I think, you know, spirituality is something that you're curious. And either you're curious or you're not. Some people find spirituality to be nonsense, okay? Like anything else, anybody's entitled to their opinion, For me, I am Jewish, but for me, I needed more. What I was looking for were answers maybe about, you know, as a teenage girl and then you get older, we all have things that we're trying to work through. And for me, for whatever the reason was, spirituality, like, really talked to me of, oh, it's so interesting that you can work your way through things. And it was a lot of hard work, but I didn't know why. Mm. That was going to be that early on. And it really did help push me through, even till today being 40, a lot of the processing of everything and people and to take, you know, the number one thing is to love yourself, which I I think is the hardest thing to do for most people Mm. is practice. And speaking of those conversations and learnings, um, 
I know you had mentioned that you had a conversation with Deepak Chopra, and I was so curious to hear the story there and the kind of new perspective that it gave you. Can you tell us about that? Yes. So one of my um, girlfriends from growing up knew that I love all meditation and all of that stuff. In a million years, it's not anything I would have thought that would even come across the table for me. And she said, for your 31st birthday, which was in July, and I was diagnosed in October, I was able to get a hold of somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody that I got Deepak Chopra to call you on your birthday. And I'm thinking, wait, what? not, I'm doing his meditations already. You know, I had known about Deepak Chopra, but I didn't. There's so many different wonderful teachers out there, but he is one of the most sort of prominent that most people would know about. Mm -hmm. So I'm so excited. I'm doing all my meditation and I'm in Denver. I'd gone to heal at that point because I was over chemo and over stem cell transplant. And I went back to my hometown, which is Denver sitting on the couch, so excited, so excited. So Deepak Chopra calls me and voice, you know, hi, how are you? I said, this is such a treat for me. And he asked me where I was in my process with everything, with chemo, with just everything. And I told, I went through everything. And he, he said, I have something very important to tell you. And I want you to take this energy with you. And to this day, I tell anybody and everybody who says what I had said, because I think it shifts the energy. And I feel, I truly feel so strongly that I said to him, you know, I'm in remission. Well, remission means to me and to some people that remission means, well, it's still stirring around you. It could come back. He goes, you're not in remission. You're cured. And I never forgot that. That, to me, was incredibly, incredibly powerful. And then, of course, I'm expecting him to say this amazing, magical, spiritual thing. And he goes, are you eating? And I said, "Um, no, I have no appetite. And he said, you should be eating a ton of steak, (laughs) a ton of butter, and a ton of ice cream. (laughs) I was thinking that's the profound thing, Deepak Chopra. (laughs) You mentioned something earlier about um, the practice of loving yourself. Do you have any advice on that? I know that that's something that we all struggle with, and especially when you're dealing with um, an adversity like cancer. What are some tips you have? So I think that we all can do something that we do for ourselves. I like to do more spiritual things, look into remedies, whether it's natural remedies, whether we were talking about turmeric or ashwagandha. You know, as a woman, they say that ashwagandha for cancer prevention or there's a lot of inflammation in the body. You know, that's something that could be really great. Um, uh, Freedom tapping, emotional freedom tapping, EFT, which there's certain points on your body that they have actually scientifically proved that those, I think, four or five points rewire your your system. Um, meditation, for me, it's working out. Um, take yourself on a walk. Whatever self-loving means to you, EFT, Reiki, 
moving things around your body. One thing I actually do think was affirmations. Mm. Right. And I was I swear by those. Those yes. are amazing. What's the movie Little Miss Sunshine? I remember sitting there mm. the yes. first time and I was like, these affirmations are what is this? She was sticking the things on the mirror. And I have to tell you, I remember saying that I was taught during this time to say, oh my God, I love the chemo. I'm so grateful for the chemotherapy. It is thing, you know, covering all the spots. I had to fall in love with chemotherapy. It's embracing it. It's loving it. And I do try to take that to my every day. I don't feel sorry for myself, but I did have cancer and I did have a hiccup. So you have to really put yourself back in the center of like, but here I am. I'm grateful. I'm beyond blessed. I'm healthy. And I get to help other people. Mm-hmm. So those affirmations and sort of talking to yourself are beyond helpful, like beyond. It's kind of funny, but. Speaking of beyond, can you tell us a little bit about your um, nonprofit foundation? Yes. So See Beyond Cancer, um, my initials are CB, but I found that when I was going through my primary central nervous system lymphoma, which was the type of cancer I had, um, seeing beyond it for me was um, affirmations was meditations, was Reiki, was seeing, okay, I have so much to do in my future. You know, this means, okay, I have a lot to look forward to. I had a huge, huge, amazing support system, family, friends, doctors, and that is a huge part of healing. Um, Having family next to you was everything. And I realized that a lot of these kids, the families that are full-time working, can't be next to their kids when they're going through chemo or, you know, they're worried about transportation or lodging or food or medicine. And I am beyond blessed to come from a family that money wasn't, that wasn't the issue and time wasn't the issue. But no matter what all of that was, that was taken off the table for us where someone else would have to worry not only, oh, my child is going through this and I'm working and I can't pay. I mean, it just isn't something that I think anybody should have to worry about, period, because that adds so much stress from on top of whatever else is going on with that family. And I wanted to alleviate that stress when it came to, well, if we have to fly to Colorado for three months, what are we going to do? That's something the parents should not have to worry about. And the kids should have their parents there because I couldn't even imagine as a child having to go through this. I mean, 30 years old, you're an adult, Mm -hmm. but you're still someone's child. Right. So I still scary for your parents, too. Yeah, very. They're very tough, but I know that it had to have been. They didn't show it, but I know. And so then being a cancer survivor, I'm sure you get approached and hear from people when they've been diagnosed. And then even on this podcast, the the listeners are, are going through similar situations. What are your main pieces of advice uh, when you do have those conversations? What I found is I, my story is my story. I had met with multiple people while I was going through treatment that had horrible stories that scared me till 
I can't even, I would just wake up at night going, oh my God, am I going to have this? Am I going to have that? So I always am open to helping people, doctors, thought processes. And once they're going through it, well, what was helpful to you? Like my brother made me a heavy metal mix on the little iPod while I was going through chemo. And that's a great thing to say to somebody that music or I can give little tidbits of, oh, you know, I loved pajamas when I was in the hospital. So if your friends in the hospital, like you can't really send flowers. They don't really like that. But, you know, different things that I liked that if, Maybe that'll help them. and But I think the main thing is that every single person's journey with cancer is completely different. And so specifically with CoChart, as we've moved more into away from just the most traditional arts and athletics and into more mindfulness and more meditation and, you know, the, the Headspace uh, partnership uh, that we talked about last night, um, you've made so much of that happen. What role do you think what do you think um that's kind of mindfulness uh things that you've that worked well for you uh would work well for kids what what have you seen in terms of using those same techniques uh for the kids that you've made it possible for that space was they had given every person who had contributed to the event like a year subscription this is when they first started so coming full circle last night at the coach arc gala, which was unbelievably incredible and heartfelt and just everything about it was amazing. And the fact that Sean Brecker was the recipient of Heart and Humanity Award from CoChart was unbelievable because I think when I sat down with Greg for the first time, we really talked about the fact I wanted to do more holistic approaches. And again, I am about Eastern and Western. And I realized even if the the children have a sibling or the parents that anything from yoga and meditation and EFT and Reiki and anything aromatherapy wise to help reduce stress. And fortunately, it is scientifically proven even if you close your eyes, I mean, there's no, I just want to put this out. There's no right way to meditate. Right. Mm. There is not one way. It happens to be. It's nice that there are programs that can guide. Yeah. And and YouTube. So my kids, every night, they like to um, turn on the YouTube channel with Go Noodle. And there's meditations for kids that you can pick a quick one that's a minute long. You can We can do longer ones that's you know, five to 10 minutes, and they love those meditations from Go Noodle. So but it releases that there's, I don't know the scientific anything, but I know that it just, it's like you get down to that next level of breathing and you also think much more clearly. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. And when you don't do it, you feel the difference. Well, Callie, we appreciate you joining the podcast so much. And one of the things I, I've, been thinking about throughout the conversation is we talk to parents who are trying to think of social and emotional tools that they can use in their family for their family to deal with this better, for their marriage to deal with it better, et cetera. But you bringing the perspective of of the patient, there were a few things that you said, the idea of uh, that I am recovered rather than I'm in remission. Cured. Cured rather than in remission. 
um, and the idea that I love chemo, that some of these things that we're proving more and more, like you said, the scientific link between these social and emotional things and literally the health and the outcomes of the patient. And I think, you know, thinking about that beyond just how can we deal with the, with our child's diagnosis as a family to get through this, but what social and emotional tools can we empower our child with to improve their health outcomes it's just such powerful things to think about. And so we we really appreciate you telling your story, sharing your perspective. It's so valuable for all of uh, the families who are who are listening. And so thank you so much for everything that you do for Coach Art Kids, but particularly today uh, for sharing your story and, and letting it be part of the upbeat. Thank you. And thank you for having me. And thank you for everything that you are doing to alleviate that one hour or two hours that day that someone's able to come over with the children, like they said last night, just for them to be kids. And whether that's running or, you know, dancing, cooking, painting, that that is a form of release, that it's creative in some way that helps them take a breath, hopefully. And thank you for even having me. You can find more content like this at theupbeat.coachart.org, where we have blog posts, podcasts, and YouTube clips, as well as a Facebook group that you can join and share your own helpful advice with other families who are dealing with social and emotional questions about kids going through chronic illness. So we hope to see you there. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you.